So one of the things that we have found that is most challenging is that when you go to the well, you can usually only go once. So if you're going to ask someone for more money, you got to be pretty certain it's going to carry you to the end of the job. No one wants to pay more than the contract permits more than once. So to the extent you have an issue, I'll give you, you know, to take my prior example further, you know, the client that I told you that uh, bid the job in 2020 and it was supposed to be done in 2021. In the middle of 2021, before the job even started, where they started to see some excel, uh, some cost impacts, they submitted a proposed change order for about $200,000, which was denied for the cost escalation. Hey, Construction Nation. Welcome to Lead with Trust. I'm Sue Dyer, and I've been on a three-decade journey to figure out how to make sure our construction projects succeed and produce some extraordinary results. My trusted leader journey has led me to work on over 4,000 construction projects worth over $180 billion. In this podcast, I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. One thing I know is that it starts with the leaders of the businesses and organizations that come together to build a project. If that's you, let's get going. Hey, Construction Nation, this is Sue Dyer, and welcome to this episode of Lead with Trust, where my guest today is Alex Barthet. And Alex is a construction attorney in South Florida, and he also has a podcast called uh, the Lean Zone, which is how I met Alex when I was on his podcast, and he was on my podcast. I had the Construction Dream Team, and I really thought Alex was top notch and really cared about his clients, the industry, and in trying to really help. So last month, I saw that Alex was pulling together uh, a whole bunch of people in the industry to talk about the escalating prices that are happening on projects right now uh, due to inflation and also because of the supply chain issues. And of course, they're also creating uh, delays on projects as well because we can't get things and that delays the entire project. And how are we dealing with that? How can we deal with that? So uh, I invited Alex to come and share all of his ideas and tips and what he sees overall in the industry, what's happening with regards to the price escalation. So that is what we're going to listen to in this episode. And if you want to check out a little bit more about uh, some of the ideas and suggestions Alex has, check out the newsletter for episode 38, Alex Barthet. And uh, you can catch that at sudico.com slash uh, just at the homepage. And uh, there's a little button that says, get the newsletter. So just you can get it there. Okay. And uh, let's listen in to Alex and our discussion about uh, all of the escalating prices. Well, hi, everybody. This is Sue Dyer, and we're on another episode of Lead with Trust. And today, we are privileged 
We have one of the leaders in the construction industry who is a construction attorney, and he is going to help us today understand more about what's happening and what we can do with all of the inflation that's happening across the country and the world. So welcome, Alex Bartlett. Hi, how are you, Sue? Thanks for having I me. Good. I appreciate it. I am good. And remind me how to pronounce your name correctly. I want to make sure I say it right. Bartlett? No, no L. Oh, no Bartlett. L. I always do that. I've done that no, to you, you every time. You and, you and lots of other people. It's okay. Okay. So Alex is in Florida and uh, he had a summit on LinkedIn that talked about this topic. And I thought, oh my goodness, every project I know I'm working on and every project I hear anybody talk about, this is the topic of the day. So we want to really dive in. But before we do that, I ask every person who comes on here to tell us a little bit about yourself by telling us what group did you hang out with when you were in high school? So I, uh, I played water polo in high school. That's a rough um, sport. Yes, very rough, surprisingly rough. A lot happens underwater. And I, I got to experience lots of things because the, it, I, I would tell you that the water polo team is a lot like the rugby team in, in those parts of the country where they have rugby. So they were a rough and tumble bunch for sure. So uh, I was I was the the good guy, but they were it was it was fun hanging out with them. <laughs> that's so it's probably why I like construction now. Well, it make, makes you tough, that's for sure. My son played rugby in the in college and after college, so it's it's a rough sport. But yeah, it probably did set you up for being uh, in this industry. You got to be a little bit tough, huh? Absolutely, but not as tough as some people are. So I know that uh, we're seeing inflation really everywhere, but even before the inflation started, it seemed like we were seeing cost escalations, some of it from COVID probably, and then we have all the supply chain issues too. So as we see these increases go up, you know, what can a contractor do if the materials are escalating post-bid? So that's the challenge, right? So it, there's a pretty hard line of demarcation, right? Which is, have I signed my contract yet? Or have I just given a bid and I haven't signed the contract yet? So the question legally is, how committed are you to this project and the price? We'll talk about other scenarios, actually, where we're seeing a lot of folks that said, yeah, I signed the contract and I gave you a bond, but I'm not doing it because I'm going to lose too much money. And they're just walking away from the job. But there are a few strategies you can take if you've already signed a contract, whether that's a binding letter of intent, whether you fully executed the contract or the subcontract, and even worse, if you've actually issued the bond, if you've issued a payment and performance bond, you know you're pretty, you know you're pretty committed at that point because if if you don't deliver, then the contractor or owner can make a claim on your performance bond. So the first thing that we would look at is, are there any exculpatory clauses in your contract? And surprisingly, we, we find some, even when they, you have a provision that says that there's no escalation, you know, there may be other opportunities. I'll give you a, an example of one. So we have a contractor who's a Mason, um, signed a contract in 2020. 
the job was supposed to be done at the end of 2021. Here we are almost halfway through 2022. He hasn't even started yet. So we're taking the legal position that the contract is void because look how long it's taken to just start the work. There's clearly a no escalation provision in the contract, but we're trying to find creative ways to overcome what most contracts say, which is you cannot increase the price. What are you saying on, uh, from, from the folks that you talk to? Well, you know, what I'm seeing is the owners, some of them, like even at the federal level, are acknowledging, and I'm seeing some uh, letters of intent going out, some memorandums of understanding coming out, uh, saying that they will, uh, anything that's indexed, they are in, they will accept the price increases on. And then in some of the other projects where uh, we just we have time issues, that's a whole nother challenge. And so we're working through uh, trying to figure out a fair, justifiable way to either find out those things early enough so that we can try to manage the risk on the project if you found out early enough, if you're just at the start then you may be able to order the materials earlier and then the owner is willing to pay you for those materials whereas they wouldn't normally. So we've seen some of that as well. And then I'm seeing some owners being really creative and actually indexing more things than we're normally. Uh, if they can see an invoice, if they can see, then they're, then they're willing because they know that yeah, and no one. What we're finding is that no one is surprised. No right? one's surprised. Everyone's expecting this. Everyone understands that it's it's real. So you don't have to convince anybody. I would tell you though, December, January, you know, it still took some convincing. People were like, "I don't believe you that drywall has gone up forty two percent." I think those days for most people are gone. So everyone is is accustomed to the idea that the question is. Uh, isn't has it gone up? It's how much has it gone up? And are you entitled to any recourse? And documentation I have found to be the number one driver of properly convincing uh, or, or asserting a convincing argument to someone that you're asking more money for. So the, 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 the real key document that unfortunately a lot of people don't have is do you have a firm quote at the time of bid for whatever it is you're asking for more money for? So for example, if you're the drywall contractor, we take my example, do you have a quote from the drywall supplier that said, this is the price for drywall? Even better, did it say, this is the price for drywall for the duration of the project? And you have that in writing on their letterhead, as a as a as a firm quote you know what i have found is that most of our clients they just get rough numbers on a phone they'll add a contingency percentage so they don't actually have a lot of backup but for you know this is of course different with like heavy equipment like a generator or ac units right typically those are going to come with a quote of some sort but just standard stock material you know CMUs, ready mix concrete, rebar, plywood. I mean, you're not, when you're bidding a job, you're not getting quotes for all of those component parts. Yeah. Um, firm quotes usually. But the more documentation you have, the better off you are at convincing someone that, you know, you, you used this number 
at the time of bid and here's the current number. So you should pay me more money. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, especially if, if you're bidding now, it's still escalating. So, you know, be forewarned and do your documentation. Uh, if you're on a project and, you know, it started a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and it's a four-year project, then, you know, got any ideas for those folks? So one of the things that we have found that is most challenging is that when you go to the well, you can usually only go once. So if you're going to ask someone for more money, you got to be pretty certain it's going to carry you to the end of the job. No one wants to pay more than the contract permits more than once. So to the extent you have an issue, I'll give you, you know, to take my prior example further, you know, the client that I told you that uh, bid the job in 2020 and it was supposed to be done in 2021. In the middle of 2021, before the job even started, where they started to see some Excel, uh, some cost impacts, they submitted a proposed change order for about $200,000, which was denied for the cost escalation. Well, currently today, that $200,000 escalation request is $550,000. Mm-hmm. So it's all, you know, had they actually approved and accepted the 200,000 in late 2021, they'd still be underwater to the tune of $300,000 now. So so my advice is, if you're going to make the request, be certain that that request is going to get you to the end of the job because it is very hard to ask for it a second time. And, okay, so let's flip over and talk about owners because, you know, they're, they're in kind of a similar place in that, They've got this much budget and they've designed it to that budget and they've let the project um, and assume low bid or a maximum amount of dollars not to exceed amount or something like that. And even if it's design build, they still have a budget with a certain amount of money. You know, how do the designer, how do the, um, how do the owners navigate this? So it's not that I'm not sympathetic to owners, but there is a bit of a distinction. And that we see is the fact that almost all, it's not all, and there's definitely going to be some scenarios where this is not true. Almost all uh, owners are seeing a increase in their pro forma because of the current state of the economy that in some degree is matched with the price increases. So when a contractor bid a job for $10 million and has lost all of his profit and then some because of cost escalation, we're not seeing the same thing on the ownership side, right? So that job that had a pro forma for an apartment complex, a condominium, a rental warehouse, you know, those owners are typically seeing higher rents than they were when the job was let because of the state of the economy. So there are ways for owners to receive some additional benefit um, in exchange for paying a little bit more than maybe they contracted for. Um, That's in the private sector. What about in the public sector? So our clients that are asking public owners for more money, you know, typically they're able to do pretty well as long as that amount falls within any prearranged contingency. 
They're not nowadays. No, no, unfortunately. (laughs) Maybe that's what the owners need to do is bump, you know, bump up their contingencies. We're seeing that, by the way, you know, in new contracts that are being issued, we're seeing a dual contingency, the contractor standard contingency and then a price escalation contingency. But as far as private owners, our clients that are making requests to private owners generally are seeing the worst return on their request. Either the request being denied or the requests being funded, but at a far lower number. And and as you can imagine, right, you have these government employees that are managing these jobs in charge of these administrative offices for whatever division of the public entity. And for them to get more money beyond their contingency, they typically have to go to their superiors, whether that's the board of county commissioners the uh, school board, um, whoever it is. And that's, that's usually a tough, it's a tough sell. Hope you're enjoying this show. Every time you and your team step foot onto a construction project, you bring your business culture with you. For any construction project to succeed, there must be a high trust culture. It doesn't matter if you're in planning, design, construction, or startup phases. The more trust you bring and build, the better your results. I've created a free resource for you, the Trusted Leader Profile, so you can know exactly the level of trust you bring to your business and projects and what you can do to boost trust. You can grab that at sudico.com slash profile. That's S-U-D-Y-C-O.com slash profile, P-R-O-F-I-L-E. And I hope that you'll remember that always high trust equals high performance, and it really depends on you. Now back to the show. Yeah. So uh, it seems to me that it would be smart, though, if they and I don't see this happening, but it would be smart given the circumstances that we're in is that they as a strategy when they're dealing with their board to fund the project that they create the dual contingency. And so what we're seeing now is is jobs that are in the pipeline that have not yet been let. This conversation is is open. Like people are having this every day. This is not a surprise. This is not a shock to anybody. No one's trying to sneak anything past anyone. So these conversations are are front and center for current jobs where we're seeing a lot of the friction is on prior jobs because, you know, pick whatever trade person you want. For the most part, unless they are absolutely certain that they're not going to be hit by contingencies, uh, escalation, they're putting in a cost escalation provision in their contract. Yeah, when they bid it, they are putting some in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The owner needs to do that, too, because you, right now you don't know what it's going to be. And the contractors are going back to the sub saying, are you sure you can bid this price? Are you sure? Like the contractor doesn't want to find him or herself in a situation where his plumber walks off the job. Yeah. Even if the, even if you have a bond on the plumber, who wants to go through that hassle? You want to finish the job. You don't want to make a bond claim. So the other thing we're seeing, which I don't know if you've experienced this, I've never seen it. Bid bonds on private jobs. 
okay. as a way to commit subcontractors to honor their price when they bid a job. So for example, you you got a $50 million project and it's got a $8 million electrical package. You're going to have your subs issue a bid bond because what you don't want to do is have them give you a bid, sign a contract or, or give them a bid and then they won't sign the contract. So, you know, bid bonds are common in public work, mm-hmm. but we're seeing them actually pop up in private work now to keep people committed. That's very interesting. Yeah. I know the other thing that I'm seeing uh, along with this uh, price escalation, uh, which, you know, we've, we've got price escalation and we got inflation now too. Which we got like these double whammy on the pricing. Uh, the other thing I see is the supply chain issues. And uh, of course, it comes back to, to time. And uh, is it compensable? Is it non-compensable? We, I've been seeing a lot of arguing over that these days, uh, especially on projects that were let prior. And now, like you said, you had a project that was started in 2020, was supposed to be finished in 2021. And here we are now. You know, I have, I have many projects like that, and uh, they still can't get some of their components. Now, a couple of we've carved out, the, we were able to carve out that piece. Uh, or figure out a way to substitute it in some manner. But that isn't the case on a lot of projects. No, no time. So when we propose a price escalation provision to clients, we cover both time and money because the allocation, uh, quotas, shortages, or complete unavailability of products is a real problem. It is a real problem. We have roofers that can't get insulation for 12 months. So how do you how do you do a job if you can't get roofing insulation for 12 months? So um, I have another client. There was a certain kind of nail he needed. Not anything special. Just couldn't get them for six weeks. So six weeks. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> right. But think about it. It's something so small. It, it's usually not like, well, we can't give you your generator. Yeah. Um, it's some small component that is delaying your ability to move forward. So everything becomes an issue, even when it's small, if it's stopping you from doing work. So you're seeing this on lots and lots of projects. Overall, how are you seeing it playing out for the most part? You know, maybe there's different buckets, but how are you seeing it play out for the contractors in general? The most succinctly I can explain it is we are not seeing any significant litigation associated with it. We see it all getting worked out difficultly. You know, no one is happy. Everyone is upset. But it's like it's like mutual assured destruction <laughs> for everybody involved, all the way to the owner, right? So, you know, the easy answer is to say, you, uh, I'll give you another example. We have a job. We represent a contractor. It's a $75 million uh, active adult lifestyle community that's being built on the West Coast of Florida. They bid this job at the beginning of 2021. It was signed to start in the middle of 2021. Currently, on a $75 million job, they are seeing approximately a $7 million total 
project-wide um, escalation number. And their subs, my client, the GC subs, is telling some of them are telling the my client, sue me, do whatever you want. I, I'm not doing this job. I am not, I can't, I can't lose money. I can't lose this much money on this job. Even if we were to pay them the escalation they want, that's still cheaper than if we went out to the street today to get yes. a new number from somebody else, right? So even though they want more money, it's still less than what it would cost to get someone else to do it. Also, it's not so easy to find people to do it. So you may not find someone to do it, or if they can, it's going to take even longer. So you think, oh, well, gee, that, that's a real pinch on the GC. And what I told my client was, it's no different between you and the owner. Because what is the owner going to do? If you say, I can't do this job for 75 million, right? I need 82 million. If you went to the street today to price this job, it'd probably be 90 plus million. Or maybe um, more. Because so, and, and who's going to get, and who's he going to get to do it? So they have to work with you, right? No one wants this project not to finish because that's the other thing. They're charging higher rents today where they can command higher rents in this facility uh, more than they could a year ago. And likely if everything continues, who knows, mm -hmm. probably more when the project is done. So they're going to make more money. So they recognize that they have to work this out. And by the way, this is a contract that has a, an entire paragraph, 10 full sentences of how the price cannot change no matter what. List all the reasons the world can come to an end. It doesn't matter. Your price is your price. It will never be different. Yet, I hear every, that so many times. I'm just chuckling. <laughs> every, but, but everyone is negotiating. Yeah. So I, at a high level, people are begrudgingly working, working it out. Stressfully working through it. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Because yeah. the option of not is far, far worse yes. than not working it out. Well, it seems like, you know, and this happens on most projects at some point, the convergence of the business decision is just happening earlier. Yeah, with one exception, at least what I see, right? Because, you know, we are a construction litigation firm in South Florida, right? So we, there is no shortage of construction-related disputes in arbitration and litigation. They happen all the time. They will continue to happen. I think the reason we haven't seen litigation on this front is because there's too much at risk. You know, if, if you could get another contractor to finish the job, and you could pay at or about the same number, or even a little bit more, you would do it. You cannot get the contractors to do the work. They're just, they just don't exist. So, you know, I'll put it in, in, a, in, a, in a tighter focus. We represent um, one of the largest shell contractors here in South Florida. Um, one of his suppliers, his primary concrete supplier, gave him a commitment on a multi-million dollar shell project for ready mix guaranteeing the price in writing through um june the end of june well in march this supplier sent an email saying um starting next week we're increasing the price of ready mix so we went to the ready mix supplier and said look here's the quote that you gave us signed committing to a price they said do what you want sue me we're not we're not honoring that price so my client had a decision to make, and it was a very difficult decision. Do I abandon this 
supplier and try to go with someone else. Well, he did his homework. He went to every other ready mix supplier in town. No one had capacity. Irrespective of what he was willing to pay, no one had the capacity to, to yeah. supply this other job. And even if they did, their price was still higher than the increased price from the existing supplier. So what are you going to do? You know, when you're a shell contractor and you can't get concrete, you're out of business. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're seeing that at every level, at every trade, all across the industry. And when you have to make those difficult decisions, you find a way to work it out. Yeah, what I, if I could wave a magic wand, I would help us um, help the owners, especially sounds like the public owners, to understand that this is a real need and it's in their best interest. Uh, that, that can be a hard challenge in the public sector. Well, they have limited dollars. They have to be good stewards for the public money that they are overseeing. No one wants to feel like um, you're taking advantage of them. Everyone rightly believes, well, I have a contract. That must mean something. You weren't going to give me the money back if the price went down, right? So if the, the shoe was on the other foot, it's not like we would have retired. Hey, the job went so well. Here's a million dollars back you know, city of so-and-so, that doesn't happen. So it's a hard sell for sure. But it's a necessary one. And yes. when you think about the trillions of dollars that get spent in the public sector, it, that's going to be a big one we've got to work towards. But I have seen uh, some, some public entities who are uh, dealing with it quite effectively and others that are saying, what changes, you know? So, uh, but eventually, Correct. I think they will get there. I think you're right. I don't think we're going to see litigation on it. They, I, I, they you know, invariably, invariably, there's always going to be some litigation, but it. I think it it is far less than people perceive that it will be because it's happening on every job. So you would think it's going you're going to have litigation on every job, but that's not. That's we're not seeing that at all. That's, that's, I have had a couple public entities mention that, gee, if we went to arbitration and we had an arbiter say that we have to pay, then we could take that to our board because they're afraid of their board or their city council or whatever it is. And it's like, that doesn't, that seems like a very roundabout way to, to get money. <laughs> you know, maybe you need to come up with a justification for them without having to have an arbitrator, but you know. That would be better. Yes. No, you know, we actually see that sometimes too in litigation unrelated to cost escalation. And that is, you know, the, the ability for someone to say, well, it wasn't me, it was the judge, right? Yeah. It wasn't me, it was the jury that decided this. I didn't make this decision. So it's, it's typically an easy way to pass the buck. Yeah. Not very expensive way. Very expensive because, you know, what they're going to pay is going to be a lot more than they'd pay if they settled. Yeah. We both For know sure. that. <laughs> For sure. You know, you referenced to the LinkedIn summit that we had on cost escalation. Yes. What I'm happy to do for your listeners, we had some great content in that. We had sample contract provisions that we walked through. And we also had a sample letter requesting a price escalation that can be customized to whatever works for you. Um, but it was a, a kind of a good start. Um, I'm happy to share that with any of your listeners if they send me an email. 
Um, they just need to send an email to Alex, A-L-E-X, at barthet.com, B as in boy, A-R-T-H-E-T.com, Alex at barthet.com. And I'm happy to share the slides from that presentation where they can see the letter and the contract provisions. It's nice to talk about it, but it's another thing if like, okay, well, here's actually a contract provision I can exactly. put in my contract. Or here's That's a draft great. letter I can use to make an escalation request. I really appreciate that. And I'll put that in the show notes too. So it'll be there there for anybody who wants to see it and they'll get caught up in the, the search engine. They'll see it that way too. Yeah. Great. So thank you so much, Alex. I hope you'll come back regularly as you discover new things in the industry where, you know, and give us a heads up or give us some brilliance. Yeah. When, when I figure out how to get everyone to resolve all their disputes without having to fight about it. Well, that's my job. (laughs) (laughs) So take care. I really appreciate you so much. And and don't forget to listen to Alex's podcast, The Lean Zone. Right. The Lean Zone podcast. Every week we talk about very exciting topics of liens, bonds, contracts, and collections. And there you have it. Alex was there in your pocket, in your ear as you're driving along there to help you. (laughs) I appreciate it, Sue. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Okay, Construction Nation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust. Will you do me a favor? If you think this episode can help anyone on your team or business, please forward it to them. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And your honest review, hopefully five stars, is much appreciated. Every leader who learns how to build their business and projects on a foundation of trust is going to reap the rewards of greater productivity, attracting the best of the best, enjoying your business more, and doing things you thought were impossible. If you want to know where you are in your trusted leader journey, I have a free resource for you. Please just go to sudico.com slash profile, S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile. And you can grab it there and find out where you are on your trusted leader journey. And so that is a wrap for today. Can't wait until I get a chance to hang out with you again next week. And until then, have a great day.